welcome to St. Francis Catholic Chat. This is Julia. And this is Father Casey. And today, I haven't, Father, I don't like starting these talks. Oh, no, Julia, <laughs> it's totally cool. So today, this is like, I think, our first time recording since starting school. Or not really. Sheila and I recorded, I think, last Thursday, which was the start of school. But school started. School. Oh, yeah, school did start at this time. We got some weird noises going on, but we are just powering through. and we're I don't not... think they can hear the one that we're hearing. Okay, well, if you can, we apologize, because we don't know what we're doing. No, it never has happened like this before. But, um, so school started. Yeah, school started. I just had, um, this is the first week of classes. Last week we had Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, but this is like the first full week. Yeah, and mm -hmm. how's it gone? Um, like this is the first week of like classes, classes since the shutdown. I mean, it's still technically quasi shutdown. Right, like but online. I mean like, like, like everything stopped in March and then you like transition online to just like finish off, but a lot didn't finish, you know? You, you so my teachers stopped teaching. Just stopped and... It was pretty bad. Um, but then we, but so like this is really like the first time back back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's a weird transition. I mean, it feels kind of normal still, but everything's online and some of my teachers like you can use like emojis somehow now and she's asking us to use like emojis to reply because no one what? wants to talk why because people don't like turning on their mic i have no clue why there's a very funny um video on youtube about um uh zoom fails it's a comedy oh, sketch zoom by fails. these but like it's it's a uh, zoom like Everything that could go wrong with a with a Zoom math class with high school students. Did they get hacked? Oh, no, no, no. It's it's a, it's comedian, so it's not a real thing, but it's just like oh. a funny thing. There was a thing that was going on where a bunch of kids were sharing the password from class on Zoom, like their Zoom password from the class, and then like all their friends would hop on that weren't in the class just to like kind of disrupt the class. To disrupt it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a new world, brave Welcome new world. Welcome to online school. I want to say, I think that, so this is the second time we've podcasted together, that we you tried to false start and just like stop it and say, like, Father, I don't like yeah, this. Yeah, because I, I don't, don't, I don't like the... Oh. I think it's going to be a, um, it'll just be a staple of when Father Casey and Julia are on. And <laughs> a, there's a false start. My father really wants to get on the podcast. Yeah, he does. He should. He's like really kind of pushing, like, I, he wants to be, I don't know, I wouldn't be here for it and... I don't know how that would go, because he's pushing. He says every time when you see Julia, tell her I want to be on the podcast. <laughs> he could totally be on the podcast. I will have to uh, come up with something not and not fail. false start and not, not false fail. Start. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And then um, tell us a little bit about the Focus Missionaries and what what they've been pretty awesome this last yeah. uh, this last week. So they've been like they've met like what hundred people. Like one hundred and fifty. One hundred fifty people. Yeah. So there's not a lot of things going on campus because of the shutdown and everything's like fully moved online from central. Um, so like no clubs are hanging out anywhere and most commuters are at home. And like, so not everyone's lived on campus because all their online classes too. And so what ended up happening was they just were able to like meet so many people there cause there's no competition. Right. Oh, absolutely. They, um, and they, they just kind of blend right. Like, this is what this is one of the things with apostolate is focus kind of blends right in right mm -hmm. they they're not like this is not institutionary institutional missionary work where it's like you gotta get all dressed up and carry your banners and rah rah like they just go meet people and they pay play frisbee and they do normal stuff it's not like weird I think a lot of students don't realize that they aren't students until like they tell them that they're focused missionaries or like Catholic missionaries. Um, 
which is really cool because they like like you said it's just they blend in with like um who they're trying to evangelize to they really do and they're they're so good at they're so normal we like we have a great <laughs> so we have a great, normal <laughs> you know you didn't see kevin kevin was our one of our missionaries last year who is just visiting for like a day or two but you didn't get to see him after mass did you no, I didn't. He sat in front of they sat in front of me at mass, but I did not like get to stop and say hi, welcome back another to Connecticut. Big, another big thing we've been working on, and I, Barrett and I were talking about this for a little while, is the um, it's a whole new world with how to do emotion when you're wearing a mask, right? Like, how do yeah, you show emotion totally. when you're wearing a mask if you can't like smile at people? And you so, can if you smile. Actually, it's totally told from your eyes, but other emotions really? you can't. Really? Well, if you're smiling like that, you can't tell. But if you actually smile like a genuine smile, your eyes will move up a little bit. Um, you're not smiling right now. I'm you're not, doing a different face. I'm not. In fact, no one listening can see what I'm doing, so that's kind of useless. Yeah, but like usually with other emotions, like you can't like frown. You can't. You can be angry because your eyebrows. Right. Um, well, Barrett today when I started talking about Kevin, Barrett's eyes went like. Okay, so that was foolish because none of you can see me. But Barrett's eyes went so <laughs> wide. And I'm like, I can't tell if she's interested or happy or surprised. Like, I have no idea. But we've been working on how do you show emotion with just your eyes. Now, I guess if you have brand new bangs covering your eyebrows, uh, that's a lot more difficult. I got bangs on Monday. It was super exciting. Oh, yeah. It just makes it much harder to emote with your eyebrows. It's the point. Because there's hair hiding your eyebrows. But now I don't see my eyebrows done every week. Oh, okay. But I never did anyway, so it doesn't even matter why. Cool. But it's just a perk now. So, so but yeah, you can't emote. Maybe you could emote with your bangs. Maybe you could. Do I look angry right now? Yeah. But yeah see, so do. my bangs don't, don't actually well, cause it, change the, anything. Well, because the eyebrows actually move the bangs. And so oh, your perfect. bangs shift. So it's my bangs that are showing the yeah, emotion now. That's it. <laughs> it's a new world with bangs. I swear. Everyone should try them. Really? Yes. Why? Uh, they're so much fun. Okay. Okay, but you have to also, my hair is very tameable. You re this is probably a better conversation between you and Sheila because I have no idea about any of this stuff. But but your oh, hair, is, okay, bring it up with Sheila at some point who could actually have a being, conversation being interesting. Yeah. yeah, I'm just like, oh, okay, well, whatever. But so, but it is interesting. It's fun. Yes, I love my bangs. They are so much fun. They're a little weird with glasses though, but it doesn't matter because I wear contacts. Right. Interesting. So the other thing going on before we get into our topic is that uh. It's the afternoon right now, and so... Um, it's gross and muggy outside, it's too. gross and muggy. Julia's trying to drink a water. I'm trying to drink both a water and a coffee. <laughs> but we, we know that we are um, not good at not spilling, and so I have a rule that you're not allowed to put drinks on the podcast table where both the computer and the three different devices we have that and these nice books that are more expensive the than the podcast system thing uh, are they yeah they are actually we're using i don't know why we use these because <laughs> they're, they're big and they're they're wide oh wait, these aren't this isn't the sumo okay so let's correct it an error i think every time <laughs> i'm on the podcast we're gonna have to go through and correct the errors <laughs> of past podcasts and one of those is that we're using the suma as our book stand which we're not so the Summa yeah, refers, well, first of all, the Summa, uh, what do you mean by Summa? Summa just means summary, right? Summa is a Latin word for summary. I don't know. I hear the word all the time, the Summa. Right, the Summa, the Summa. And when people talk about the Summa, they're usually referring to St. Thomas Aquinas' Summa Theologiae, summary of theology, um, 
which, by the way, it's Summa Theologiae. It's a summary of theology, not Summa Theologica, which is a theological summary. Um, that is um, so Summa Theologiae of St. Thomas. So when people say the Summa, they really mean that. Now, St. Thomas wrote other Summae. So he wrote the Summa, uh, or maybe just one other Summa. He wrote the Summa Contra Gentiles, which is the summary, the, the summary of Catholic teaching against the Gentiles. In that he's really that's being written for um, missionaries in Muslim lands, right? So the Summa Contra Gentiles is, is how to how to preach the gospel to to Muslims in particular, and how to work with particularly because the Muslims at that time were very philosophically um, some were were very philosophically well read. Averroes um, and Avicenna were were Muslim philosophers. At least Averroes was. I think Avicenna was too. Anyway. But like some Muslims had like these great philosophers and, and so like when you're when you when Dominicans would go and they there'd be like a different philosophical tradition, be a difficult so Saint Thomas wrote a book on to help them when they would do that. Okay. So and we really have a podcast topic today, I promise, but we're gonna get through this because this is important <laughs> to know. So, um the Aquinas Institute in uh, I think it's in somewhere in Wisconsin or it's somewhere in the middle of the country that's not touching the Atlantic Ocean um, or the Pacific Ocean uh, is putting out what's called the Opera Omnia of St. Thomas Aquinas. That's the complete works of Thomas Aquinas and it contains um, English and it contains the original Latin and the English. Now the Latin is the Mariotti Latin a lot of times not the Leonine Latin. So the Leonine Latin is what's been coming out for the last 120 years. It's like a critical Latin edition where they go back to St. Thomas's manuscripts and try to find exactly the the exact Latin he wrote because remember there's no like printing press. There was no back then, so it was all hand copied. Oh wow. So there are different Latin editions actually of St. Thomas cuz but the Mariotti Latin is the one that most people like that's the most widely publicized even though it's not the most authoritative um, historically, um, checked against a bunch of different sources. Okay. Uh, so they're publishing the Latin and the English, and then sometimes like in the scripture commentaries, there's Greek in there as well, because it's the original language for the scripture, not just the original language for St. Thomas's commentary. So they're putting out the Opera Omnia of St. Thomas, and um, they've got, I think close to half of it done maybe or maybe like a third done but they've got the rest of it planned out now i actually it's interesting because in the books that we're using there is no summa theologiae because i have like three other copies of summa theologiae so why would i buy an expensive gigantic opera omnia summa theologiae so i didn't also because it is mariotti latin um and if you want the summa like you, you should really go for the leonine latin like nerd <laughs> total nerd you know leonine latin over mariotti latin for uh, also, I think I totally a, know what those are. I think it's a different English translation. I think it was a because the the standard English translation I think maybe is co- it's not copyright, but they did their own translation for the English, and so it wouldn't be it wouldn't line up with the other versions of the Summa I have basically. And so I'm just like you know, and that's and what I have a Latin version Oprah of the Omnia books are. These Opera Omnia books are the complete works of Saint Thomas Aquinas in English and Latin. So uh, I can't see everything, but that not you have. Greek. There's Greek for the Bible stuff. So let me see. I can. The only one I can see for you is that you have um, part of his biblical commentary on the Gospel of John. And what are the other ones you have there? Um, Rudolph the Spine that you have, have. That you have. Matthew. Yours, Matthew. Okay. One or two two books with Matthew. One through twelve. Okay, so that's the first part of his commentary on the Gospel of Matthew. What else do you have there? Book four of the I sentences. Think I have oh, all his of commentary book four. on the sentences. Right. So that's Peter. No. Yeah, oh, I don't no. think you have. I have fourteen through twenty-five, and then I have forty through. 
43 through 50. Do I have I, to look through I, these. Do that's I why. have another part of the sentences? You have book four as well, one through 13. Okay, so that is, so that's St. Thomas's commentary on the works of Peter Lombard, the sentences. Peter Lombard's sentences were kind of the basic um, framework for a textbook in the Middle Ages. And one of the things you did to begin teaching is you would comment on the sentences. So he wrote a certain number of sentences um, about theology, and then you would write a commentary on the sentences, and that would be uh, like your break into the theological world would be to comment on the sentences of Peter Lombard. So everyone had to be commenting on the same text. And so uh, it was actually the Summa Theologiae came up because he was going to write another commentary on the sentences, and someone's like, no, nah, we need something a little different. So he wrote the Summa Theologiae. Uh, okay, so what else do I have besides the sentences? You have Romans, John 1 through 8, and the book 4. Great. So between you and I, we have the full commentary on John. And, uh, I don't have I got John. Roman, yeah, you got John 1, 9, oh, 9 to 21 is the one you can't see. And then I also have over here the one you can't see in my pile is his commentary on Corinthians because he also commented on all of St. Paul. So again, a, a theologian in the time of St. Thomas Aquinas would have, um, pri what are we at for time? Like 15 minutes. Are you serious? It's 13, but yeah. Okay, so this is going to be our topic for today. We're just going <laughs> to keep talking about St. Thomas. Oh, wait, are we really? Yeah, why not? Why, okay. why, why try to shift to something else? Are you okay with that? Yeah, it's totally okay. I just don't know anything about Thomas Aquinas. St. Thomas Aquinas is a saint. saint I know St. Thomas Aquinas is a saint. I know that like, he, didn't he hate the Bible? Not hate it, but he didn't like to read it. Was that him? No, that Who was, was that? That, he wrote biblical commentaries, Julia. Well, I mean, he could have liked it afterwards is what I mean. I know he liked them eventually. Oh, no, he memorized he the Bible when he them? was trapped in his room. Um, yeah, so he was a Benedictine and then he... Oh, I never mind. I know I know his story now. I, I know which And then he, um, he became a Dominican in their early time and he was a great teacher um, of the Catholic faith. And uh, um, his doctrine, his teaching is, is... This is very good because he's the patron saint of students. And so as we start the new, the new school year, we could pretend like we planned that this would be our topic as if we're not telling everyone it wasn't written. yeah this is just, <laughs> we were just talking about these things because we got to clear up the errors um that we had there there's errors opera omnia this is his opera omnia not the summa exactly and um the summa theologiae summa theologiae i'm surprised i'm not like tripping on these words because i don't remember half of them half of the time but we have a whole row of these books we don't use all of these to help them I really only know them because we have a whole shelf and because we use them as the book stand. Right. So there are some white books over here on like the third or fourth shelf down. We're in the bookcase room right now. And that is the Summa Contra Gentiles, um, just in English. I don't think I have a copy of it. In I don't know the difference yet. between the Summa Theologiae and the Summa Con something, something. Contra Gentiles. Contra Gentiles. 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 I don't Great. know if I remember that in five minutes. Probably not. It's um, The Summa Theologiae, like I said, was like a textbook, right? That's his textbook. Right. And in the beginning of the Summa Theologiae, he's basically... Uh, there's a lot of different theories on how and why he was writing the Summa. It was at the later point of his life. He he actually died before finishing it, and he um, did anyone finish it for him? No. Uh, they what they took is they took um, writings from his commentary on the sentences, and they put it in there. So it's still his writing, but they take like what he wrote when he commented on the sentences and kind of messed around with it and got it into the form of the Summa. Right. So it's still his writing. That's called the supplement. That's the supplement at the end of the Summa. So that's not part. Here's the problem. St. Thomas, as he progressed, 
like changed the way he taught about certain things and sometimes even changed his mind. So as a result of that, you can't just say like, oh, he wrote this 25 years ago. Let's just put that in the Summa Theologiae. Like he may not think the same thing now. He may have changed. One of the uh, examples of this is in um, in his commentary uh, on his uh, in his teaching on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. In the commentary on the sentences, he says that the gifts of the Holy what sets the gifts of the Holy Spirit different from the virtues is the measure, right? So that um, virtuous actions are measured by a human measure, right? So it's like okay, they're they're good actions on the human scale, and whereas the gifts of the Holy Spirit are on a divine scale, right? So that we, it's a, it's a different measure. Uh, it, it's, it's in a bigger, it's got a different goal. Not the same goal, but in a different way, okay? That's what he said in his commentary on the sentences. And the problem is a lot of people take that measure, and also in his commentary on Isaiah, because the gifts of the Holy Spirit come from the book of the prophet Isaiah. So it's in his commentary on Isaiah, he um, says that as well. The problem is later in the Summa, he talks about not measure, but motion, that in the virtues, it's the motion is primarily from our reason and the will. Uh, that we're the it's a human source of motion when we act in the virtues. It's like the example of oars, right? You're you're rowing your own boat. You're the source of the motion. Whereas with the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the source of the motion is the wind, right? The wind, and so I'd be like the sail for a boat. It's the wind. It's put, so it's actually a different source of motion between the virtues and the gifts. Um, but would the measure and the motion have like correlation to each other? They're very closely related. But it's he changed the way he taught about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We know that in the course of his life. And so, so he this stopped is a, talking about measure and he started talking about the motion. Exactly. Said, I understand. And and that's when he was writing the Summa Theologiae, which is his mature work. It's really that's kind of his very mature thought, and that's where it's all in there. It, you know, Saint Thomas is so. He, he loved, um, first of all, all of his teaching was rooted in scripture. His primary work was these biblical commentaries that we're using as book stands, as microphone stands right now, right? That so I've never opened. He, um, oh, you should open them. They're so I interesting. should totally it's, open it's them. It's a weird experience reading him because he writes in a very medieval way. And you just got to picture him like, because like he wasn't, it, it was primarily a verbal society, right? And so he's like, the way that he writes would be it's similar to the way that he would speak, which is in a very logical, ordered way, because you have to order your thoughts in order to be sure you're getting everything out if you like are teaching without notes even, right? So it's very structured, and a lot of people don't like it because it's so structured, but like you got to do structure if you're expecting the human mind to be able to, to take it in and give it back out. So he's very, very structured in the way that he presents things, and that's why people don't like some of that structure. It's like, I want exciting. I want, you know, you read someone like Hansers von Balthasar. It's like, oh, there, there's some, there's something interesting in the way that he writes. And, and okay, great. But like, it's very hard to like repeat exactly what Balthasar said because he says it in such a roundabout way or is incorporating all kinds of other stuff. Whereas with Aquinas, it's very like, boom, boom, boom. It's, it's very structured. It's very logical. It's very ordered. And it's, it's more suited to the brain <laughs> actually taking it in and, well, that's what the brain does. The brain orders stuff, right? We got to put it in order so we can remember it, and um, and so that Saint Thomas wrote in a way that was more suited to the brain, and how the brain knows things, and that's much to the emotions. And that, oh, I I like that, right? No, no, I mean, I maybe don't like it. It's not exciting to read Saint Thomas, but it's very good for your brain because it, it. But I mean, wouldn't over time you eventually like enjoy like. Oh, Wouldn't yeah. you get excited over it? Like, oh, yeah. Like, even if it's just, like, intellectual 100%. reading? 100%. Oh, when a new commentary comes out in English, like, when it's like, 
Oh yeah, they you know the, the commentary on Job oh, came out. Oh, oh yeah. so cool! Uh, they finally got it out because I can't read the Latin. Although there is a Dominican, Father Sir Delange, the Father Salar and I referenced in our podcast about the intellectual life, who said if you can't do the work to read Saint Thomas in Latin, you don't deserve to read him. <laughs> now that was back in like the nineteen thirties, maybe or twenties. So, right, priests don't go through like a lot of Latin training. We anymore. do do a lot of Latin training, but oh, not, really? not as not. I can't read Saint Thomas in Latin as well as I want to. I do want to give a um a shout out and a prayer request for um for my professor, uh, Father Joseph Damacor. Father Damacor um, taught me for two years at the Angelicum and was the advisor for my thesis um, and really pushed me to um, to know St. Thomas and know the original works. And even when I like was talking about my thesis idea, he um, he would be like, I'd be like, oh, I want to write about connatural knowledge, right? So we could do a whole podcast on this one day. And um, and I'm like, oh, and, you know, there's this article and that article in this book by Jacques Martin who wrote in like the 1940s. He's like, no, you can do that topic, but you should go read uh, reread the Nicomachean Ethics by Aristotle <laughs> and then read Thomas's commentary on the Nicomachean Ethics because Thomas also commented on Aristotle, right? And then read the relevant passages of the Summa and then we could talk about this, right? So he was all about like primary sources. Don't read what somebody else said Aquinas said. Go read what Aquinas said. So Father Domacor was so um, influential in shaping my mind in that way. Um, so he's actually very sick right now, not from COVID, but he's very sick. Uh, actually, a, a couple of days ago, they thought that he was going to die. Um, but it, it looks like there may be a chance that he can recover. So, so please, uh, if you're listening to this, pray for Father Domacor, depending on when you listen to it. Um, maybe he's made a recovery by now. Maybe, um, maybe not. Maybe he's gone to his eternal reward. Um, but, but if you say a little prayer for Father Domacor, he definitely, um, really shaped my, my mind with like, Know, Saint, know what St. Thomas says, not just what someone says about St. Thomas, right? And, and look at all these things. Like, Aquinas is more than just the Summa Theologiae. Some people are just like, oh, St. Thomas is Summa Theologiae. It's like, go read his commentary on the Nicomachean Ethics. It's so good. Like, it's just so rich. And you could just be like, wow, this is, this is really cool stuff. I think we have those in the upstairs room. Are those the red ones? No, they're the tan ones. Uh, Ralph McInerney, who taught in Notre Dame for many years and passed away, um, probably 10 years ago or so he founded what's called Dumox books which is trying to was trying to print before this Operomnia came out was trying to print the commentaries of Aquinas on Aristotle because he realized that students at Notre Dame didn't know enough Latin to read Aquinas's commentaries on Aristotle and he, so he got people to translate them or translated some stuff himself and got them published so those are actually really good that is really, really cool. So, so, but St. Thomas is so rich, and it's so good to, to know him and to, to love him. He's a saint, right? And, and the thing with St. Thomas is everything he wrote and taught was motivated by love of God, right? There, there's this, in St. Thomas, you don't have this division between study and prayer. Um, everything he wrote was motivated by love of God. And he, um, even at the end of his life, you know, some people want to criticize at the end of his life, um, because he he tried to actually burn some of his works, and and he and then he told uh, the sec his secretary the the brother who was assigned to help him, brother Reginald. He said, um, I can't write anything more because compared to what I've seen, compared to what I've seen, like this mystical experiences he was having, everything I've written seems like so much straw. Now, you have to rightly understand that, because. Some people want to say, yeah, so look, he says, like, compared to mysticism, we don't need to study, right? That's not what he said. He said it's compared to so much straw. But we don't live in a farming society anymore. Straw, what, is, what does straw do, right? 
straw supports the grain as it's growing to help it grow up, but at a certain point, the grain outgrows the straw. Without, without the straw, that support there, the grain wouldn't be able to actually grow straight. It doesn't have the str So you need it, but at a certain point, it gives way to the grain being able to stand on its own and do what it's supposed to do and come to fruition. But the straw is important as a support and a structure to help the grain grow. If we want to grow in holiness, we need the straw of the intellectual life that's going to help support. And we need good, good intellectual formation. St. Thomas has been s talked about, the Second Vatican Council references, he's like the sure teacher of, the, like a, a steady guide, like a sure guide. I if you want to know, uh, he, there's a few things he, he was not quite right on, but he had good logic, even in the things he was wrong on, right? Um, but if you want to know like a good, uh, have a good explanation of some aspects of the Catholic faith, go to St. Thomas. He, he teaches with such clarity and such love of God. And so what would you recommend on to read or to like introduce yourself to Thomas Aquinas if you've like never read anything by him or it just like... Right. So I would recommend that you do got to start with some of the secondary sources in order to just familiarize yourself with what's what, right? So there's a little tiny book we have around here somewhere called Aquinas' Summa, which talks about the Summa Theologiae and um, and goes through and breaks down why Aquinas wrote it and, and how it's structured. There's also an article we have in one of these books. Uh, the book is called The Ethics of Aquinas. The article is called The Setting of the Summa, which goes through historically, again, why and how Aquinas would have written the Summa and why he wrote it and to give a good understanding of um, the Summa Theologiae. G.K. Chesterton has a great little book called The Dumb Ox, which is a lot of fun to read, and he wrote it in like two days. Like he just kind of just boom, because Chesterton didn't study Aquinas, but Chesterton had a mind like Aquinas, totally in love with the truth and very logical. And so he wrote, uh, I think it was um, Etienne Gilson, who was a famous Thomist in the early part of the 20th century, said that Chesterton, without trying or effort, uh, without effort, did what he and his colleagues had been trying to do their entire lives. Like he just did, he did it in two days. Right? He just, the dumb ox. Um, and then actually, just explaining like it's Aquinas. just a story about Saint Thomas. It's just it's not a story about Saint Thomas. It's just yeah, kind of it's G.K. Chesterton's thoughts on Saint Thomas Aquinas, which is really cool because one of the things Chesterton says is, even when Aquinas is complicated, he's just trying to explain what we all know by like perceiving reality, right? So he's not trying to like say, oh, reality like really doesn't like no, I know I know this table here exists, right? Aquinas is tell, trying to tell me why it exists and how I know that this is a table and that table over there is a table, but they don't exactly look the same and how can we talk about substance and accidents how can we talk about um essence and existence and all these things and right? so he was a philosopher right he was a primarily a theologian but he also to have good theology you got to have good philosophy because philosophy is the tools you're using to apply to divine subjects and is that why he like commented on like philosophers like aristotle yeah because aristotle got reality and look reality is created by god right all of creation is created by god and so to know creation to know it well and to, to understand these things and to to apply the right tools to how to divine revelation as we try to understand divine revelation right philosophy is is having the tools or the language to be able to further go into these things um i would recommend you know you could read some parts of the summa theologiae and there, there's some good, there's some good sections. It's just hard because you really should start at the beginning. Aquinas expected you were reading the whole thing, and so he doesn't ever repeat himself. And so sometimes, like if you're reading something toward the end, it's like, well, what about? Uh, he said that like 500 pages ago, and he's expecting that you have 
read that and know that. So he does, it's not meant to be read in isolation. But just to read the first question of the Prima Pars of the Summa Theologiae about um, whether there's any other signs besides philosophy, like why, what is Sacra Doctrina? And um, we could do a whole podcast on that, too. That was actually Father Domacor had a beautiful, went through a whole class with him uh, about Sacra Doctrina and really gave a great, we spent a whole class on one question of the Prima Pars of St. Thomas's Summa. Um, it was in his introduction to Aquinas class. So that's so awesome. Other things you could read, some of, um, you know, reading his biblical commentaries, like on um, his commentary on, on St. John's Gospel. Um, I'd recommend like going to a particular section of John's Gospel. Don't just start at the beginning because he spends a lot of time on in the beginning was the word. And it's like, uh, I don't know if I could get through 15 pages on in the beginning was the word. Um, so, but he explains it. It's so beautiful. He's commenting on scripture. That was his job. University professors in, in the 1200s, their job was to comment on scripture. That was their primary work. So write the book, the commentary on John, the commentary on Matthew. Those were like his, pri that was like mostly what he was doing. Everything else was side projects. Like, just think about that. Every, so like and on Paul, Sumatheology. his commentary was a side project. And Paul or Paul commentary was... on Paul was because uh, it's commentary on scripture, so that was part oh, of so that his, counts. Oh, yeah, 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 that was his university of Paris lectures, and then they would do like things like disputed questions. Um, Joseph Pieper has a great book called Guide to Saint Thomas uh, or Introduction to Saint Thomas. It's one of the two, I think it's right here on the shelf. On which one? But I can't look. Um, it's on one of these shelves. I wish I could comment more. I just have no clue. That's fine. About um, Thomas but Joseph Joseph people wrote one. But like Aquinas also like they would have what are called uh, the quod libetto questions. Those are not published yet in the Opera Omni. I can't wait for them, because they would be like. Um, wait, what was that again? Quod, quod libetal questions. So it'd be questions that people would shout out, right? And so he would be like, "All right, open questions, right?" And and, and so people would, like shout out questions. So one was like. Um, uh, how how much can you? Uh, what what's the line of drunkenness? Like how 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 much can you drink before it's a sin, <laughs> right? And it's just like, and he would just go like, all right, well, and kind of reason through it and explain it. And, and there were other kind of things like that that they would be like, be a little bit rowdier. And then um, but he would write all this down. So someone people... else would be writing it down. He would just oh, go. Oh really? Ch -ch -ch -ch. Yeah, he would have secretaries, and they say that he could dictate to four different people writing for him. They'd say he could dictate to four different people writing for him. And he could, like, talk to one, like, give them a bunch of stuff, and they would, like, be right. And then he would go to the next one, and they would be talking about, like, a different book. And he would, like, remember where he was. And he would, and then he'd go to the, th and he could do four different people, never losing his place in any of them. He was just so um, massive intellect, very, very intelligent, but also very pious, very, um, very prayerful and very a very holy man deeply praying when he would pray the mass um and um would preach i mean he would be we have some of his homilies here uh, we have a book of some of his homilies and th those are cool they're different they're not like our types of homilies they're more like i know there's a there's a prayer that he wrote the one like well, like in the student handbook that we have oh yeah that after the for, mass. for before and after mass mm -hmm. you know those that's are very beautiful good. he also wrote the adorate devote Oh, did he really? Oh, yeah. I he, didn't know that. He wrote the um, Osaltaris and the Tantum Ergo. This was all when he wrote the Corpus Christi office. That Oh, so I know so much more about Thomas Aquinas oh, yeah. without even knowing those, it. Those were all his. That he um, that was all from the Liturgy of the Hours, the Divine Office for Corpus Christi. Cause, okay. So I know we're going over time, but it's well worth it because I love St. Thomas and he loves us. Um, but that he... Um, what happened was, so a priest was saying Mass in the town of Bolsena in Italy... And um, 
the the host changed and started to bleed and it's the, the so um what usually doesn't look like flesh but is the body blood stone of Jesus Christ in this case actually looked like the body of Christ and so the priest processed um with this Eucharistic miracle from Bolsena to Orvieto where the pope was living at the time um and who just was the theologian that happened to be living with the pope Thomas Aquinas and so the pope asked Thomas Aquinas, Father Father Thomas, to um, write um, the the Divine Office, the Office for Corpus Christi, so the hymns and the the different psalms and the prayers that would be said. So also that prayer that we use for benediction that was written by Saint Thomas. Um, so he wrote all that, just like staring at the Eucharist in love, and then then he writes Adore te devote, devoutly I adore you, Latin say Tasso hidden Godhead, you know, and so he, he writes about the Eucharist and. Um, and that, those, we still sing them today. So, um, man of wow. deep, deep prayer. So yeah, so there's a lot of cool stuff with St. Thomas. He definitely was, um, uh, a, a, as an example and a patron for students to, to desire to learn, right? To, to, we want to learn. And as we start this academic year, it's so important to not just see our work as something that we have to get through and we got to get it done. But like to love the God who is the source of all truth so that we want to know about Almighty God. We want to know these things and we can see that there's a depth. We can never, ever, ever get to the depth of everything that can be known about Almighty God. I think maybe you think of St. Augustine who at first didn't like reading scripture. I think I'm thinking exactly Because he thought it was too shallow, it was too like yeah, whatever. But then that I, is, after his conversion, he's just like, oh wow, like you can never get the bottom of all of this how deep it is he was the one that said that like if he had like one sentence he couldn't like meditate on it for the whole his whole life and never get to the depth of it probably right? i think i don't know i'm not i don't know i was in a cousin we'd have to ask father Siler about that he's the augustinian no clue but but yeah this was i learned a lot about saint thomas aquinas yeah today. i'm sorry this was not quite as bad of a father casey rant uh podcast as i had last week with sheila about baptism but this was primarily just a father casey talking about this but i think it's good to talk about him so never, ever call these books that we use as our microphone stand <laughs> the Summa again. I, we should probably stop using them as microphones. Oh, stand. no, we should definitely use them. St. Thomas would be probably fine with that. Okay. Whatever. And they work. They're very functional. I'll, I'll call them the Oprah Omnia. 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 Oprah, what's the, okay, what's the other one again? Oprah Omnia's complete Com works, right? Omnia, Omnia is, com is total, yes. complete, and Opera is works, right? From the word opus, uh, work. Opera is work. Opera Omnia, complete works i see and so um the opera omnia of saint thomas oh omnia because omnipotens like exactly it's omnia it's everything it's all so it's all of his works opera omnia i see that makes sense so you should read some saint thomas and everyone listening to this should read same saint thomas because i will read the secondary sources and then the start with, primary the, start with the secondary then move to the primary um but look at the primary it's so good he's so so good um all right well this has been a lot of fun julia so yeah. we're going to ask St. Thomas to definitely keep praying for us this Pray semester. Pray for the school year. Pray for us for this school year. And, um, and yeah, we'll kind of see where it goes. So from here at St. Francis, uh, this is Father Casey. And this is Julia. God bless.